shit news. You've got five guys who are all billionaires, and they're great business people, but they truly run the city. No bullshit news. A lot of the black leadership came from the faith-based community. Um, the faith-based community, in my opinion, in a lot of cases, has been bought and sold. No bullshit news. At one point in time, um, you know, we were a manufacturing city. And those jobs, because of the unions, offered people at least enough money uh, to take care of their families. What's available today um, is not enough for people to live on. No bullshit news. You couldn't continuously borrow money. As a matter of fact, we got to a point where nobody would loan us money. Boy, Dave Bank's greatest hits, no huh? bullshit news. You liked that show, didn't you, Bob? I did, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Karen Hello. Doom, Karen Doom is in New York, that Wolfman Bob over there, and Mannequin Joey collecting dust in the corner. Joey, in the house. Got us going technically. He did. All right, so let's get to it. Today, um, we'll give you the news behind the news and next week's news today. Uh, there's a new book out called uh, American Ruin, Life and Death on the Streets of Detroit, America's Deadliest City. We'll have the author, Michael Matthews. He embedded himself with the gang squad for a number of years. If you really want to know what's going on, you can read this book. Um, and we have former Attorney General... Bill Schutte, who's on the line with us. Hey, Bill. Hey, Charlie. Good to be with you. Thanks for letting yeah. me come on your show. I, I hope your ratings don't go down, man. I, I, want, I, want, you to, <laughs> I, I want you to soar, you and your, you and your team. Uh, yeah, we do, too. Now you're <laughs> yeah. for now. Good, to be, funny, good yeah. to be with you. Good yeah, good, be thanks with for you, being back. You know, um, <clears throat> we have you on, of course, because uh, uh, Dana Nessel, the, the woman that replaced you, uh, is going to go do her clown show up in Flint today to explain to the people um, why she threw your investigation on Flint away, dropped all the charges that you worked, uh, labored over for a number of years to bring. Uh, her public pronouncements are the reasons were that, that your work was sloppy and your work was political. So here you are. She won't come on the show, so I know she listens. How do you answer that, Bill? Uh, untrue and uh, bogus and, and, and false. And listen, Charlie, uh, it's good to be with you. And I'm on your show. I'm not going to throw grenades or bombs at uh, 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 other elective office holders. You know, elections have consequences. Elections have outcomes. Um, uh, and so I'm, I'm not going to engage in uh, negative attacks. But I will defend the quality and uh, integrity of the uh, Flint water investigation. And it goes like this, uh, Charlie. I, uh, there were three major investigations that I was, uh, during my tenure, two terms as attorney general. Um, the Catholic Church investigation, sexual abuse by clergy. Second, um, the MSU Nasser investigation uh, on just the horrible crimes that uh, Larry Nasser committed. And, and by the way, he's behind bars now for the rest of his life because of what I did as attorney general. That's the uh, Nasser investigation. Mm -hmm. And then the third third investigation is Flint. And in each one of those three investigations, we approach this in a very thorough, professional fashion with experienced courtroom lawyers, ready-to-go, battle-tested lawyers, um, and Andy Arena, former uh, uh, head of the FBI in Detroit, David Layton, the prosecuting attorney in Flint, Genesee County, two uh, retired judges, uh, Todd Flood, a skilled former Wayne County prosecutor, 
a team of experts who uh, painstakingly we reviewed uh, every uh, you know charge, and when the uh, evidence and the facts match the jury instructions and the uh, 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 elements of the crime, we filed charges. Nothing but that. And Joe Friday, uh, Dragnet, uh, nothing by the book. So it was painstakingly uh, thorough. And secondly, no politics at all. That's just there's not one shred of evidence. Uh, uh, and frankly, there's, there was no upside <laughs> politically for me doing Flint. Um, but I got to tell you, it doesn't matter who the AG is. Doesn't matter who the governor is. Doesn't matter who the defendants are. But the real focus needs to be families of Flint. I make no apologies for standing up for the families of Flint, Charlie. Well, that's what we're all about. You know, to be honest, I don't care about anybody's career or who's holding it. It's like, where's the justice? And you were making right. progress. Yeah. You were, you were having success. Well, what, what, what Nestle's saying in her, uh, Hamoud are saying is that there's new evidence that that you ignored and that there are new people of interest that somehow you bypassed. So here's how it goes. Here's how it goes. You never target anybody in a criminal investigation. Hey, that's not fair. It's not justice. It's not lawyerly. It's not not legal, quite frankly. Um, We filed 59 charges against 15 people, got five convictions. Had uh, you know, two other uh, hearings on probable cause where the district court judge said there was overwhelming probable cause. And so our cases were strong. We were confident in them. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's how we approached it. So we, had, we were ready to go, and the, the team was solid. And, uh, you know, again, this is about uh, uh, results. We uh, worked very hard, a good team. And it's all about, uh, you know, the families in Flint. But there's, you know, no, no politics uh, whatsoever. Well, I, and then, and here, let me just you know, right. and people come, people talk about well, what's the cost of the Flynn investigation? You know, I had to, you know, beg and borrow one point seven million dollars uh, every year to uh, to finance the uh, prosecution. But you know what? Nobody complains, Charlie, about the cost of um, the Nasser MSU investigation. Nobody complains about the the, the cost of the. Um, Catholic Church investigation, all very important. But people raising questions about cost in Flint, you know, it, it irritates, makes me angry because, you know what, no one complains about the cost of the other two investigations, but Flint, a Flint, uh, a community that's predominantly African-American, seen a shrinking population base, the jobs were closed, uh, you know, lost, assembly lines shut down or shortened, and you know what, uh, uh, I don't like this, uh, you know, apparent bias towards. Okay, we're going to complain about the cost of the Flynn investigation, but the other two are just other two are just fine. What Listen, the- Flynn is a community that uh, sometimes feels powerless; they marginalized, and for too many years, people view Flynn as some politi- uh, political check chessboard where you can get in, take advantage. And you know that means that citizens of Flynn are mere pawns. I reject that. Well, here's what I say, Bill. About politics and Flint. Basically, Flint got fucked. Democrats and Republicans were involved. So at the high levels, nobody wanted to see this prosecuted. This is my opinion now. You're blamed for being political, like you're going to use Flint as a uh, springboard into the governor's office. Some people say you're friends with Rick Snyder when you're not. The way I look at it is this was your job. You were required. Yeah, I'm just doing my job. They had five convictions. 
Well, yeah. let me yeah. tell you this. Here, here. I mean, Nestle dropped all charges because it's sloppy in the foundation. That's what she says. This, and it's just not. That's not. That's false. That's well, not true. Do you remember what uh, District Judge uh, Goggin said when he bound Nick Lyon, the health director, over, uh, bound him over for trial on manslaughter charges, involuntary manslaughter? Do you remember what he uh-huh. said? <laughs> he said Nick Lyon was corrupt. Wow. In his handling of the Flint uh, Legionnaires outbreak. He called him corrupt. A judge. And 12 people died. So why wouldn't that go to trial? Yeah, and and, and that would have been uh, going to trial. And, you know, I appreciate you raising this because, you know, 12 people died in Flint. Uh, Thousands of kids were poisoned. Uh, there's no upside politically for me to to do it. That what would have been political is to do nothing. But you know what? Uh, I would have come I'm, and I, kicked your ass, Bill. Well, yeah, and, I would have parked on your I would have parked on your porch. So are you serious? Yeah, and, de- yeah, and deservedly so. I did my job uh, because was I wasn't going to look the other way, not on my watch. And so that's why I make no apologies. I'm right. proud of the efforts and integrity of Andy Rena, David Layton. Uh, you know, Todd, Todd Flood, Flood, Judge Judge Bill Whitbeck, Judge David Hort. You probably saw some op-eds in the free press and the news today. And, and uh, uh, anyway, I just wanted to set the record straight. Not throwing grenades. I'm not going tit for tat, anything like that. But what I am doing is is uh, defending the integrity uh, uh, and the uh, expertise and the professionalism and ethics and integrity of that uh, effort. Uh, Bill, where we let's let's be. I, I know a little bit about this case. First of all. Here's a little news for you. Come the fall, a group of professors have studied the Legionnaires and the Flint water crisis and, and uh, you know, whether it was came from the plant, the, the treatment plant as Legionnaires. I think it's being peer-reviewed, but there may be as many as 100 people that died from Legionnaires. Have you heard about that? Yeah, and no, no, and I, I haven't, but, you know, the, the, the point is, is that... Um you know, you, you do an investigation without fear or favor, and we did the right thing for the right reasons all the time. And well, uh, that's where we are. I'm going so to have to run my, my well, I got my two, friend, two more but, questions, Bill. Yeah, so you, you want Flint to know that, right? Ultimately, your legacy to Flint is you gave it your all? Yeah, and it's, it's you know, I'm not big on, on legacy and all that stuff, but, you know, I am, uh, I, I am determined uh, and passionate about uh, delivering justice. And... Okay. Uh, and that's all the citizens and families of want, uh, Flint want. And listen, I know families in Flint today that only drink water from a plastic bottle, and that's because they don't trust government. And uh, and it's about uh, delivering justice for for Flint families to know that uh, we're not this we're not they're not going to get screwed again. Where was this going? Uh, can you talk a little bit about about that? Um... This was going I, into know, the I, governor's uh, office, the emergency I, managers, I re- the financiers. Is that where you were going? Yeah, I, re- I really can't talk about that because you never, you never target anything. We just go where the evidence took us, and that's uh, that's the type of quality people that uh, Andy Arena and uh, David Lyson and the rest of the guys, folks uh, uh, perform. If if they restart, if Dana Nessel's office restarts this investigation, can, will they be able to get as far as you guys did? Because they're giving up. Two years of investigation. You know, I'm, I'm gonna. That's that's for her to answer. Uh, you know, again, yeah. I, I, she's she's as she's the responsible party now. And and uh, now, mind you, if, uh, you know, I would have kept the investigation ongoing. And if new evidence came forward, then you amend uh, you amend your complaint. Happens all the time in the 83 counties of Michigan. 
Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Bill, you know, I know you got to run, but the, thanks for the time. And, uh, you know, Miss Nestle, uh, as always, you're invited to come on. I've left your messages. I don't care if you do, but if you want to explain it to uh, 50,000 people. people paying the bill here, then yeah. you, you come on. Thanks for coming on and having the nuts, Bill. Well, listen, uh, good to be with you. Take care. Be good. Happy okay. Fourth of July. Thanks, Happy right. Fourth of July. Yeah. Have a good weekend. Yeah. Take, take, take care, gentlemen. Bye-bye. What do you think about that, Bob? Where do you think that's going? Well, I, I, I think it's going nowhere. And I think that's, for whatever reason, and I, I can't quite put my finger on it, why they want to do that. Because it seemed like, you know, Rick Snyder was a Republican. You had a Republican, Bill Schuette, doing the investigation. Todd Flood in there. They, they got five convictions. Yeah, but they were, and, you know, the, the complaint is they're low level. Well, okay. yeah, I, I get it. Okay. But you know how the deal works. You start at the low level and you work your way up. Yeah. They were working their way up. So then to throw all of that out, I just don't understand where it goes. Because it, to me, it looks like they just say, okay, it didn't happen. Yeah. But it did happen. And, you know, I mean, again. And, and he's right. And, and, and Shooty's right. People in Flint are still drinking out of bottled water. I know kids up there that have never played in a sprinkler. Ever. That's a crime. In the Great Lakes State. It's a crime against America. Oh, and there's going to be nothing. Now, you remember our very first show. Who was on here? Well, and the only thing who I... Who was our very first guest? Todd Flood. The, 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 the special prosecutor. prosecutor. <laughs> that was September or something like that, right? Yeah. There were already whispers... September of last year. ...from Dana Nessel that she was going to get rid of him. Yeah. Take a second look. Why would you make that decision when you're a candidate who hasn't looked at one page of evidence? Right. And what did they say? They had a million pages that 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 Shooty hadn't gone through or whatever? Yeah. Come on. I mean, let's put it down. We've also had Andy Arena on the show. Yeah. We've been through them. Maybe those 15 pages are CC'd emails that we already read. Right. So I've got to read all the CC's. Right, right? To, to, to call it, a, you know. Let uh, me remind you what the judge said. Corrupt. That yeah. the health director of this state was, was corrupt. corrupt in the way that he handled his job and willingly kept silent on the Legionnaire's business. So. That the, fucking killed people. I, I, the, I just, the thing that keeps coming back in my head is, is why? Like, what do they, what do they gain out of restarting the Flynn investigation rather than just picking... Okay, so you don't want Todd Flood and Bill Schuette are part of it? Okay, why, why don't you just pick up where they left off? Right. Why cancel it all? Yeah, how, yeah. you know, how about... Because they weren't ready to go to trial. Because when you fired the guys that, and it's three years of investigation and right. millions of pages of documents, right? You're not prepared to go to trial. The judge, the, the judge I'm told, was livid when they, <laughs> when they threw all the charges out. Livid. All the work that was put into it. Well, because the judge knows all the work that was put into it. Because the judge put the work right. into it. Everybody knows right. what's going down. You know, you couldn't have concur or concurrently in parallel taken, say, Nick Lyon to trial while you're, you know, looking through this box of evidence in the basement. And any reporter that's buying that nonsense. That's bullshit. Right? Every reporter that I read or listen to that buys that nonsense, I notice that reporter never did any of this work. Any of the work, right. They don't know what they're talking about. I mean, about. the deep dive. Like, I know what's going on here before Bill even walked into the picture. And let me tell you, the excellent listening audience, 
Every time you flush your toilet around here, you're paying for a it. A piece of it goes to pay off Flint when they built the water system that they cannot use. They're back on Detroit, and Detroit's giving them a credit. They're, we're paying for this fucking sin. Right. The rich guy got rich again. He walks away, and you out there, my mom, my retired mom, your retired dad, they look at their water bills and go, what the fuck? Right. Every year they just go flying out of They go proportion. up and up and up and up, and nothing's changed. I'm doing the same amount of laundry, take the same number of showers, yep. so... So here's the thing, yeah, you know, I, I when, when you hold a big chair, like the Attorney General, you can go out there and pronounce bullshit. You take two weeks, like tonight is the, you know, community meeting with Flint. Right. You had two weeks to figure out what the fuck you're going to say, and it's going to come down to a box of papers in a basement, Hey, reporters, any of you saying that? Get me a picture of it. Well, they're not saying it. They are saying that they're buying this load of crap. Well, they are. That's what I mean. They're buying the load of crap. Yeah, and you know what? Again, I just get back to the why. I mean, uh, is it racism? No, it's I I don't think it is. It's it's politics. politics. But there were Democrats and Republicans involved in this fuck up. They all wanted it to go away. Don't forget, you know, I never, I'm not even going to go there. What I will say is we must be in this together. They're going to keep doing it to us. The poor people get raped. The middle class people, well, this time the was- middle class people pay for it. Right. And then the rich walk off and have steak. I'm not against being rich. It's the dream of this country. But doing it the right way. Well, Earning the ri- it. The rich guys still got paid for the KWA. Yeah, they they still got their money. Uh, some people died in Flint. Sorry about your luck. Well, you know, yeah, it was Flint this time. Is it Hamtramck next? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, w- w- what what's next? When is watching that? will bring all these charges back again. Are we banging up on statute of limitations? We well, that's said, what I wanted to ask Bill, but he, he had to go. Yeah, but you know, we, you know, there yes, is a statute yes, of limitations. Yes and no, though. I mean, you the statute limit. It's for the murder. No. You know, for the for the people who died, right? There's no statute of limitations, but for other contingencies or parts of this, there are statute of limitations. Well, there are, but you know, when, when it's an ongoing thing, you can always pick a date as to when the crime was first committed, right? Right. When, when you sign those contracts, that could be the date of the that crime. That could be the date. When you turn the faucet onto the Flint River, or that, when you, or, that could have been yeah, the yeah. Crime, right. So, I'm not so sure about that. I just know that we're not we're not giving up on Flint, and I'm you know I'm ashamed of myself. Because you and I, Bob, were bopping around the country at that time, right? Doing yeah. the Americans. And we didn't stop in the... We did stop in We the did Flint. go to Flint. Yeah, but we... But... We were there know. just when, they, when the first boil water advisories came right. out. And we didn't put two and two together. I was always ashamed of that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's easy to see that in retrospect. Yeah. But at the time, how would we, how would we have known? You know, because lots of water mains blow up all the time and people have a boil water thing and, you know, it's a temporary Because we knew that they changed the water source and we knew when we were in that trailer park and everybody's teeth were red that the water was brown. Remember that water that came out And they had to mix the the Kool-Aid and sugar in the water so you could get it down your neck. We knew that. They got that water and it came out of the faucet and it was nasty brown and had shit in it. You're like, what the fuck? And so let's be honest here. Look, and, and I don't mean, don't take this wrong, people. Poisoning children with lead is a fucking sin. And lead does kill. 
But I'll say this. Right. I My house still has a lead intake pipe. I grew up with it. We had lead in the paint. We had lead in the sure. gasoline. Sure. What, but what fucked people up? The corrosive elements from the Flint River. Methane in the water when yeah. that was brown. E. coli in the water. Legionella in the water. Yeah. Right? We all knew. How could we let our community, our brothers and sisters, fellow human beings, how could we do this? You're not, I'm not a liberal. I'm not a conservative. I give two shits about if Bill wins office or not. It's the people. I'm tired of it. Well, yeah, and, and you know, what happened was the big moneyed interest were making money, and they didn't care about people. So much money in, po- uh, in poverty, man. There's so much money to be taken. And listen, last night, big success, you know, Killer Kowalski's uh, fundraiser, you know, for children's charities. Um, you were a celebrity bartender. Yeah, I worked, I worked like four hours because I'm one of the few <laughs> celebrities that actually was a bartender. That actually worked. Yeah, you know what I mean? So Matt Riley, big success. And I met a lot of our listeners. And uh, I, I just want to thank you guys. Thanks for listening. And the, and the things they said. They, they, you know, we're, we're in agreement. Not necessarily politically, but that things aren't right. And that you got to stand up. And, and there's, a, there's a difference between, between being cynical and naive. Oh, yeah, there's a huge difference. I'm not cynical. I just spent 11 years looking at this shit very deeply. Well, and you're not naive. No. You know, I mean. So I'm, look at all the good things going on. Well, that's supposed to be normal, man. Right. Good things are normal. Our job is what's abnormal and get that shit fixed in this way. Informing the citizenry who will make, we will all make the decisions together, Joey. That's what this shit's about. The abnormal, though, comes off as, as, as normal. Or, uh, you know, and it's, yeah. that, that's what's going on. But that's what's wrong. And the minute, the minute that what's normal becomes abnormal, meaning what's abnormal is news. What's normal right. is not news. Right. The minute, the minute that, like, woo, hey, people are working. Woo, um, some buildings are occupied. Woo, there's a new restaurant. The minute, that, that shouldn't be news. That shouldn't be news. And the minute it no. is, is the minute you put a fork in this whole fucking thing. Yeah. All right. So anyway, you all, thank you. It, it means a lot. I, I saw a lot of news people last night. Kind of miss them. I miss you guys. But I got to do it this way. Because it's going to prove to be right. It's not cynicism. What I'm telling you is for real. So that's why you listen. So... Uh, no bullshit. Let me. I'm, let's let's get to the um, the news behind the headlines and get to next week's news today. All right. But, but first, uh, a word from uh, our sponsors. Let me tell you about American Coney Island. How about that? Nice segue. Celebrating 102 years, it is Detroit's oldest family-run restaurant and birthplace of the famous Detroit Coney Dog with chili, mustard, and Vidalia onions. It's my personal favorite. That's no bullshit. You want a dog before you go to the ball game? Head down to the corner of Lafayette, Michigan Avenue. Can't miss it. It's the red, white, and blue building, shaped like a slice of pie, smack dab in the middle of downtown. Always delicious. Always open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The dogs snap when you bite them, and the chili is a 100-year-old family recipe made especially for the American Coney Dog, and the beer is cold. Visit Detroit's uh, restaurant or the one in the D Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, or 
the Detroit Zoo, where they also sell beer. Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. Maybe you're a big-time city official who can travel with your entourage on the city's dime. Maybe you can hook up your girlfriend with government contracts or 12 dozen appointees making more than $100,000 a year. Wow. Yes, that is breaking news. Wow. But if you're not among the downtown elite who can make your pal's pockets fat off the taxpayer's back, you're going to have to provide for your own retirement and all of theirs as well, because I didn't even add in the benefits, Joey. We're broke, bro. If you have questions whether you're on the right track, if you don't want to be broke, I'm telling you for real, call financial specialist Luke Nowacki. Call Luke. I mean, for real. 248-663-4748. So, having said that, let's just, let's just you know, revisit last week, maybe... Look in the crystal ball and look at next week. Let me let me start with those of you who listen. Remember, we ended the show with the breaking news: Chief of Police holding a press conference Friday afternoon. Here's the big, here's the big so- solution. Go ahead, tell them what to do, Bob. Check yourself. Check yourself. That's the solution. All right, you you all pissed off. You're gonna pick up the stick. That's, pick up a gun. That, that's what a stick is, man. I'm just being oh. I'm just being street hip. I'm, that's what the kids call it. Yeah, the, the, the whistle, the gat. You know. <laughs> My piece. Gonna pick it up. I'm gonna blow that motherfucker's brains out. No, I, no. Ah, maybe I check. Check yourself. Check myself. Man, the kid don't got no clothes or nothing to eat. He ain't had a shower in two weeks. Check yourself. I'm gonna check myself. Well, <laughs> it's not working. Real elegant solution to crime. So let's see. This was uh, by eight o'clock fr- last Friday, right? We get out of here about. Four o'clock. Three, four o'clock, yeah. That's about when the Chiefs press was. Checked yourself. Made, made the front pages. Yeah, it did. Check yourself. Within three hours, there were, within three hours, there were three separate shootings. First was a 28-year-old father. Um, I'm not sure he lived. I, he might be dead. And his four-year-old son. Yeah. I think, he, shot. Died. I think he died. He died. See, no follow-up even. So that's one dead. Then... Three dudes were shot on Outer Drive, yeah. and two of them might be dead. They were critical. I don't know, right? There were some people not checking themselves. Not checking. And then there was, a, there was another corpse uh, on the east side. He just, dead body laying around, right? Shot to death. But he was shot. Yeah, he wasn't just dead body. He was shot. And nobody checking themselves. People, do what the chief said. Check yourself. Check yourself. Because that might work better than having police. That doesn't work in an argument that I have with my wife. Check yourself? Check myself. I'll say something stupid because the whole thing is ridiculous because it, in my opinion, misunderstands the fundamental nature of violence and what happens. I'm not saying that I violently argue with my wife. But... You know, you're in the moment. You're not, you don't stop and, oh, I should think about this. What are the repercussions for not only his family, but my family if I do this? And that, that doesn't happen in real life. Man. You're pissed off in the moment. You're like, I'm going to do that. What are you doing? You're disrespecting me. And boom, six people get shot. So what do we do? Again, what's the solution? First thing is acknowledging the problem. Well. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, man. We're and gonna, if the police won't acknowledge the problem, the mayor's office should acknowledge the problem. Well, look, uh, this book, you know, uh, uh, Mick Matthews coming on. 
He's a British cop that embedded with the Detroit cops. The reality of shit. Not, not the naivete. I'm not being cynical. We'll talk to this brother, and you don't believe me? You can take a complete stranger who came into this town. This book's three. This book's dynamite. Look how much dog-eared it is. It's nice. dynamite. Take a stranger's word for it who come with a blank slate. And just looking, just watching. With the cops. And it just, re I know the cops in this book. The things we're putting them through. Any cop on the, on the job in Detroit that is not divorced, that's the nutcase. Yeah. If you're able to hold your life together on that job because of what really goes on. So when I, right here, Mike, right here, Jimmy, Mayor, Chief, I asked you for police records, this is for you, detailing the number uh, of victims of both fatal and non-fatal shootings from 2010 to present. The records should include, but not be limited to, the age and race of the victim, the date of the incident, and any available details such as name, description of perpetrator, an arrest, the location of the location incident, of it, et cetera. Yeah. It took months. To they get. broke the law. I didn't, they, they didn't have this at the press of a button. And if it's going to be thousands of pages, I'll pay for it because I'm working on a project and they know it. Now, here's the big reveal. Bob and Joey, ready? That's what I got. Look at this. A quarter page summary. No, just this. Not even. This is legal bullshit right here. Just that's what I got. How many cells? You guys can't see it, but he's pointing to it's a full page, but, no, there, but there's three it's inches it's of a, a graph. It's a, it's a, let me explain. It's a chart, two, two cells, two tables, right? Two columns. It's as big as a tic-tac box. That's how, how much information. And it says non-fatal shootings, year 2010, 1,169. And it goes to present. And there's a bunch of asterisks because they keep fucking up the number. And I'm like, this, this is nothing. Is bullshit. And doesn't even tell you the fatals. And I know the police, even the high ones we've had on this show. I'm trying to help. I'm not naive. And anybody like, well, I'm going downtown. You best not break down. You no. best not. You be and you best not stop for gas. There's, there's guys hunting. In fact, some young gangbangers go up to the burbs and kidnap people. Yeah. I don't want to spread fear. I just want to tell you the truth. We can't have this shit. We can't have Flint. We can't have people stealing federal dollars and leaving, leaving this. Children who don't take a shower for weeks because the rebuild is going to take a long time. <clears throat> a well-funded public safety force, some schools. Got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. You know, and in the, the news uh, now is nationally about how bad Chicago is. Well, and they're what, four times bigger than we are? Four times larger. And we have more shootings per capita than they do. We, I, I think our, I haven't done the math in a while, so our, our homicide rates double. Right. You know, nobody gives a shit. Oh, but Detroit's coming back. Well, here's what, you know, next thing in Gotta the news. Got to have public safety. This is Muckraker over there at the Metro Times. He, he broke it. What did Neibling have to say? Um, they've been using facial recognition software in Detroit for two years, and nobody fucking knew it, the police. And they were plugging this software into that op Project Greenlight. Right. And so. Because they got cameras everywhere. They're just running our faces. 
through it. Now you want to if you oh, well, well, why don't we solve crime? I'm like, good point. Good right. Point. We're looking for help. We just bitch. Not enough police. We need tools, right? First of all, this is America, man. You let me know. You you let me know, right? Well, right. That's because my right. that's it's my right to know what the damn government's doing. What you're doing, and you know, basically, it's a, a search and seizure thing. They don't have search warrants, and yet they're running people's faces. Well, there you go. Because guess what? I'm no big fan of Congress. Are you jo- are you awake, Joey? Okay. Um, Joey's awake. Can, can you run my clock? Does anybody know how long we've been going? Uh, we're at uh, 33. Right. Okay. Congress. This month. What are you doing, Joe? Okay, never mind. Never mind, man. Fuck it. We're just going to wing it. The United States Congress in committee, okay, is considering they've they unanimously voted so they're in committee it's going to go to the you know the full chamber right are considering a temporary ban on facial recognition technology because uh, uh, concerns that it violates the 4th and 14th amendments sure. and it's prone to errors one study shows that in 91% of the time they got the wrong person oh jesus what are we fucking doing yeah, you know, or they're violating civil rights. Slipping Jimmy's out there going, what about the criminals in the neighborhood? Yeah, that's what we keep saying. But how about we stop lying about shit? Isn't it? You all right, Bob? Oh, yeah. I could, I could go on, but it, it's, man, it's, god damn. Well, it, it, it almost seems like they're grasping at straws for something to do. But, you know, they're lying about the narrative now anyway. So how are we supposed to believe them that, oh, the facial recognition's working and we picked up X, Y, and Z guys and we got them off the street? How am I supposed to believe you mm. when you're lying about the numbers? Mm. You're lying about everything else. Mm. Oh, but this, this you're, you're okay about. And you if know? you listen on this show, we bring that to you. You've had the president of the police union, president yep. of the fire union. We've had super cops, you know, with ch- their voices changed. Yep. I'm not cherry picking people. No. This is this the is prevailing attitude. This is what rank and file are saying. I know. So, no. We're not done. I'm not, I'm not cynical. I want to help you before you make a mistake. Because I'm your brother out there. Well, and you know what's interesting uh, is uh, they just had the Democratic debate the past two days. Yeah, know? watch this. I... <laughs> right. It, it was boring, whatever. But it was interesting because... When Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Say that five times. Well, I can't. But he was asked about the police shooting. In his town. In his town. In South Bend, Indiana. And he took ownership of it. They said, you know, why do you have only 6%, you know, black officers on a, uh, and you have 26% black people in the the city? And he says, I couldn't get it done. I I wasn't getting it done. Okay, well, let's. Well, and, you know, I appreciate the honesty. Me too, but you can't be president. Well, no, that, I'm not even going just with saying, that issue. You didn't get it done. But we're not even getting honesty out of our elected officials. Is anybody, isn't that why the whole fucking world... That's why it's fucked up. ...is voted for a Trump? The whole world, Austria, Brazil, yeah. Italy, Poland. Poland, China, Egypt, we've all got a Trump. Yeah. Well, mad as shit. I'm not saying if it's the right way to go or not. That's where I stop, right? Because that's where I stop. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking at the finery... I don't really think much is going on. Right. But everybody's sick to death. They are. And I, I just think a little honesty would go a long way. And you've got 
James Craig lying about the numbers. You've got Mayor Duggan supporting him, backing him up, telling you how great Detroit is. And look at Detroit's back. We're back. And they give me a chiclet box of statistics. Is the fucking fireworks only had four shootings? Listen, folks. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, hey, what's that? Well, I. What'd you just say? That the, the Detroit fireworks only had four shootings? Only had four shootings. Right. So that. Well, those are pretty good odds. That's pretty good numbers. <laughs> How about zero? How about fucking yeah, zero? Again, you, I know what some people say, and they rightly say it, so I hear you out there. The police ain't gonna stop an asshole from popping, popping off a gun. No. Give me a concerted effort to get guns off. And you know what? This book, you're gonna hear from Mick. There are guys out there. Whoa, there's guys busting their ass, giving up their mental health to do it. We giving up their personal lives and they're getting yes, divorced and their families are we fucked don't up. Have enough. They're overworked. This is Detroit's like no other. We're a special city on planet Earth. You know, Mexico's got more uh, um, poverty, but they don't got poverty like this. And they don't... And they don't have guns. AR-15s. Right. Shit. Where, we need where, more help. Where is uh, Mike Matthews from? Um, the guy, the, the author from, of American he's from, Ruman. He's from Britain. He's from Britain. And he's living um, in British Columbia, Canada. With, Vancouver. With his wife. She's Canadian. He was just here last week, but... I say he get, embedded himself with the Detroit police. We'll get, we'll get to him. We'll get Does to he him. even knows? Well, we're going to see what he says. Right, okay. This book's good, though, man. I mean, I really do recommend it. Um, here's what I'm working on. Detroit, man, broke as a joke, right? At, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we just came out of a bankruptcy heading into another one. Yes, I made a mistake. Remember, like, we had Bing on, we had, would you have, like, a dozen guys making 100 grand? Yeah. Right? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know how many Duggan's got? How many appointees? Uh, Twelve dozen. Twelve dozen. That's 144. Right? Make, on average, $143,000 a year. Holy working shit. Working for the city. Appointees. These aren't cops and shit. This 100, it's actually 146. Make, that's, that's the political fat. Fuck, that's over $20 million for... For 150 people. Wow. Okay, now as a comparison, the average, the median, the right in the middle where it falls in the middle, right. the median household income in Detroit. Oh, wait. $26,000 a year. $26,000. So I, now I know what you're thinking, dear listener. Well, you know, to have this great, how do the people feel about this great comeback? You got to have the best of the best, right? You got to pay the best or you're not going to get the best. So let's see a couple of the best of the best, some of the highest paid ones. There's the guy that's caught up in the demolition probe, federal corruption, right? The guy that was in charge of handling the federal money and tearing the houses down. He's caught up in it. He, he makes 240, something like that. The best of the best. Yeah, thanks for, thanks, and thanks for the federal uh, investigation because it's, it's real fun for me. The other guy... Right? Right-hand man of the mayor. Makes 190000 And guess what he did before he worked for the mayor? What? He was the financier on the Flint fucking deal. Oh, jeez. He was caught up in this shit. I know exactly where they were going with Flint. And he was probably making over one hundred fifty grand doing that. They were going to charge people in the governor's office. They were going to charge the EMs. They were going to charge the financiers. Right? That's where they were going. Nope. Now he's in 
you know. Now he's got he's got to get out of jail free card. Pulling six figures, get the fuck on. Okay, the other guy making one hundred ninety. <laughs> he was handling the federal money for the you know community development. The one that just got frozen. The one that got yeah just got frozen and they're auditing it and it doesn't right. look real because they were doing shady shit. This is your this is the people that surround the mayor. I'm sorry, folks. I'm a reporter. You need to know it. The development guys, the finance guys. Right? The construction guys. They're, they're all getting paid. They're not the best of the best. The guy but they're that, getting paid. The guy that's the CFO right now, acting CFO, he's doesn't he's not a certified public accountant. It's a lawyer. Oh my goodness. What are we fucking doing here? Because the numbers underneath it all don't match the numbers. We ran we ran uh, mayor will tell you, we ran a surplus for the last three to five years. Whatever. The last three years we've had a surplus budget, right? That's because the emergency manager wrote those budgets. It was planned to be that way. And the reason there's a surplus is we're not paying into the pension system. Right. Until 2024. You know who is paying into the pension system? You people. Every time you flush your toilet, a yeah. little bit of that money goes to pay Detroit's pensions. But then you said, like, in 2024, big bill comes due. Yeah, but see, this was dug in at Wayne County. Yeah. Bloated, too many... Um, appointees, spending, oh, we balanced the budget, everything's great. Then the economy took a little turn. Duggan bounced, beat it, right? Yeah. Beat it out before the feds could get to him. And Bacano was left holding the bag. And remember, we, you and I, we killed him on these appointees. Yeah. He didn't have nearly as many people no making his money, and the county had not previously gone bankrupt. Well, he even said the same thing, that he was left holding the bag. He did say it, didn't yeah. he? Ah, that's a good show. We actually get some swingers here, man. Hey, Mayor, you can come on. Come on, Mayor. Anytime you want, you're always invited on. Eventually, look, I kicked the shit out of Dave Bing. I kicked the shit out of Bob Fucano. I kicked the shit out of Bill Schuette. My job. But you know what? When it's all said and done, they know it was right. They know I was right. They know the public needs to be informed. Well, you didn't pull any punches. I'm not going to do that. And you didn't lie. So it does, I don't feel like, like ooh, this, it's, a, it's a lesser show you know, and it's not a show, I don't think. It's a broadcast. It's an informational show. I don't care. I don't care if the governor comes on or the mayor comes on or the attorney general comes on. We got First Amendment, man. That's it. And what we're saying is the truth. And if you don't think we're saying the truth, come in and tell us why. You know, right. explain yourself. Right. Explain yourself. Come on, Dana. So tell, me, tell me why you have 144 people making that much money. And if I believe you, I believe you. If I don't, I don't. Yeah. But they're insane shit. He's Justify. Insane shit. Okay, so you know, hey man, Bob, check yeah. yourself. Yeah. Check yourself. Because the chief of police making over 250000 okay? Well, he needs a very dangerous city and whatnot and so forth and et cetera. Sure. But the superintendent of Chicago police makes that. And they're four times bigger than Yeah. That. And it's rolling on the south side, as you know. Yeah. It's rolling on the east, west side, as you know. Well, it's rolling on, yeah. It's We've rolling everywhere in Detroit. It, no, I'm talking about Chicago. We've oh. been there. Yeah. Remember? But it's rolling here, too. I know, but uh, this is, I'm just saying, let's compare what we're paying. Right, right. You yeah. know what I mean? Show me you're moving the needle. Because crime allegedly is going down in every big city. And murder's going down in every big city. So why are we still at the top of everything? Let me see us not be at the top, and then I will say, 
Okay, you're earning your money. Yeah. But in the same time, the FBI also does a national survey every year about crime victimization. The police have their numbers that they polish. Sure. And then they, they ask people, were you a victim of crime this year? That number keeps going up every year. So let's just put it where it's at, man. You can't have people thinking they're victims of crime and say crime's going down. My final, finally, we do this. I, I, I don't think that skyscraper Gilbert's is getting built. You heard it here today. Me, first. I'm standing by. I don't think it's getting built. Want to hear my justification? The fact that he just got out of the hospital or he's still recuperating in Chicago. Yeah, dude. And like he's, you know, got his speech back. Yeah. Like, God bless him and everything, but they're treating this like it's Stalin or something. Everything's fine. You know what I mean? His highness has a cold. No. No. But no. here's the thing. The financing's not set, I'm told. The, the cost has gone up to $2 billion now. There are no engineering designs. There are no pilings being driven this year. Well, they ain't, they ain't building no building. They're they down there pushing the dirt architectural around. Architectural designs. Now you're reading in the free press, you know, I mean, uh, it's slowing down because construction costs are high and rents are going up. Think about what he just wrote there. If rents are going up, that means there's high demand. It's, right? Right. It's high demand. That's not a reason that things slow down because demand is high. It's because no. demand is low. Right. And financing's not available. If demand is high, things are heating up. Or we've overbuilt. Right. Now, don't forget that skyscraper's getting $250 million. Of your money. Cash money. That we will pay about $600 million after the interest. Right. So what happens to our money if it doesn't get built? And where's the ambassador? Where's the Gordie Howe bridge? That's a good question. What? Where, what happens to our money if it doesn't get built? So does he just... Pocket it? Keep it? I mean, what the fuck? It's a great question. Where's the Gordie Howe bridge? They just had an announcement about that this week. They had an announcement. What did they announce? Um, oh, I... They, 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 the financings in the Canadian Parliament put the financing in place? They, it was something along those lines, but they were on track. No, 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 no. That don't mean nothing. Well, it doesn't mean anything. Where's the money? Well, it, and the money's coming from Canada. Yeah, but you know, the Canadian Parliament, I haven't read anywhere they've, they've funded this thing. No. Oh, guess what? No, I and Trudeau is in big fucking trouble in Canada. Because Canada, you listen and I love you. You're my neighbors and, my, you know, Le Duff, Charles Le Duff. You know what I mean? Right. French Canadian here. Trudeau might lose to Ford. Yeah. Right? You remember the dancing crackhead uh, from Toronto? From Toronto, Mary. Yeah. yeah, his brother. His brother. They're going to have a Trump too. So stop mocking us. Man, if Canada, if Canada elects Ford, I'm going to Nineveh. <laughs> I might go to Mexico. I don't know. Oh, you, yeah, you can live on uh, one I of the slum like, hills in Tijuana. I like margaritas, so. So that's, that's unbelievable, though. Isn't it? It really is. You know, and... So I, we've been saying that, too. Bubbleville is Bubbleville. Like, well, you're the negative. I'm like, no, look, there's a guy on my softball team. Does personal finance. Good guy. Like the guy. Fun guy. Right? And we're talk- But I got kind of mad. Because he's like, you always... My, a friend was in from London. The guy that edited my book, Detroit, An American Autopsy. Available at Amazon.com. And the guy that actually edited it, my good friend, he's lived everywhere in the world. Everywhere. He came to Detroit. He edited the Detroit book, and he said, oh, my God. I didn't, it's worse than I, I thought. I'm like, no, we, we, we came back. 
Now I'm taking my softball buddy goes, well, you just showed him the, the the bad part. I go the bad part. The damn shit's run down. I took him to Dexter. I took him to Linwood. I took him down Livernoy. You know where people actually live, live amongst yeah. this shit. Like, ladies and gentlemen, living babies are not ruin porn. No. They're babies. They're babies. And, you know, he goes, I see, he goes, I see why you got such a hard on for this demolition. Because he's looking at people living next to rotted bullshit. It was never focused. He said, I can't believe. So my guy, softball guy, goes, you didn't didn't show him, you know, the the good stuff. And I said, yeah. I took him down Cass Corridor when you get off of uh, Grand River. And you can look for miles. You can look up. You can look down. You can look at the vista. I'm like, the bad little part? This whole shit's wrecked. (laughs) Then we go to Cass Corridor. And he's like, look at that, a dog grooming shop. Oh, tapas. Oh, tacos, burgers. And, And I'm like, yeah. So you got a lot, hundreds of thousands of hungry people staring in this plate glass little dollhouse. Where they can't afford to go eat. And I'm not putting it down. You know, I like to go Right, right, sure. Seriously, you know. But I'm not going to forget. I'm I'm not going to lose myself to euphoria, you know. If if my friend, the personal financier, is telling you to invest in one of those condos that don't seem to be getting finished, like in Brush Park, how long are you going to push the dirt around? Those started... 399000 400000 dollars Only studies show, my, my people telling me all this on the inside, there's a study out there saying there's only 800 people in the city of Detroit that could afford a luxury condo like that. 800 people. And they don't live in the neighborhoods. So they're going to come from here? I, I would... Uh, I'll tell you what. I don't know what their business I, model is, but... I, I live slightly north of 8 Mile, you know? And I couldn't. You couldn't I, afford. I, I couldn't afford that. No way. Hey, mannequin. What about you? No. Where you live? Farmington Hills. Yeah, Farmington Hills. Yeah. And whose basement? Uh, my mom's. His mom's. <laughs> Fucking millennial. How old are you? Thirty. Fucking thirty years old. He's a millennial. He's still a baby. Hey, millennials. Maybe millennials can move down. Millennials were born in the last millennium with, with me. Yeah. My daughter's a millennial. You're not a millennial. Grow up. Wipe your nose. You're a man. They're, tr- they're tricking you. They're infantilizing you. They want you to be a forever baby so you don't recognize what's being done to your generation. You're in your mom's basement. I came back from Europe, right? Came back from Europe. I walk in. Okay. Walk in my mom's house. My stepdad goes, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he right to I was there like two days. He's like, get the fuck out. Because you're all grown up. Best thing you ever did for me. Sure. You're all grown up. Get your own place. Get your own life. So ladies and gentlemen, like, just read it. The world economy is slowing down. China's slowing down. Even, even the development writers that were all for like happy-go-lucky, just throw the money around. They know it's slowing down. I'm not pooping on it. I'm your friend. Right? Be careful how you invest in this money at the top of the hill. Yeah. Just be careful. There's no bullshit news out. Things are poised to, to make a change. It always does. It always does. Yeah. Cyclical, and, you know, I think we're headed towards a downturn. Let's take a moment here to uh, talk about some other friends of the No Bullshit News Hour. ADR Consultants providing full business construction management and IT consulting services for your country 
uh, your company, sorry, your, and your country, municipality, and law enforcement agency. <clears throat> ADR experienced overseeing more than $250 million in private and public construction projects since 2001. You need to reduce costs. You need to re-engineer processes or find better vendors. ADR has saved clients millions. ADR consultants are experts in procurement, compliance, and minority participation. Honest, ethical, smart. Call Barry Ellen Tuck at 248-318-9424 for a consultation. Get the job done right on time, on budget. ADR consultants, 248-318-9424. Barry Ellen Tuck. A thinking, working man. Get the job done. Hall Financial. David Hall took a chance on my brother Drew Lane and his Drew and Mike podcast a couple years ago. And that's led to many of Drew's listeners saving money. Hall Financial offers lower rates, better options, and that personal attention you want when talking about your home. The average refi takes 44 days. Everybody's moving now. Everybody's moving. The market's moving. Know that Hall Financial averages 19 days. 19. Do the math. That's half the time. Get it done now. You know, if you're really thinking about it, call Hall. Tell them LaDuff sent you. Listen, if you're going to move, move now. Email dhall at, uh, email dhall at hallfg.com dhall at hallfg.com to get the paper moving or call 248-308-5000 or maybe you just want to take equity out of your home or shorten the length of your mortgage making your moves the world economy softening there's no doubt make your move you could be less than three weeks from saving on money you're going to need in the future with Hall Financial email dhall at hallfg.com or call 248-308-5000 tell them you heard on the no BS news uh, NMLS number 1467435, Hall Financial. You won't be disappointed. So there's that. But now, I really want to get to this. What a great book. Hey, Mick, are you there? I'm here, Charlie. Uh, you know, I'm calling you Mick because he, uh, you know, uh, Michael Matthews, author of American Ruin, Life and Death on the Streets of Detroit, America's Deadliest City. Everybody calls him Michael except the cops. They call him Mick. Yeah, like in the it. police world, I've always been known as Mick, but outside of police, I've been known as Michael. Hey, that's awfully uh, posh. Where are you from, like Tennessee or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm from the, uh, the uh, suburbs of London, so I speak like I'm from Downton Abbey, but actually, um, I'm a bit better <laughs> for that. We all love Downton Abbey here in the U.S. That's Don't cool. we all? Absolutely. <laughs> are, you from, are you from Croydon? Where? Croydon. No, I'm not from Croydon. I'm from Harrow. Here, let's do the, let's do the uh, football chant, the soccer chant. Yo, going home in a white blue ambulance. <laughs> Yo, going home with your fucking head kicked in. I hate soccer, Charlie. Yeah, but you should try football. I love soccer. Isn't that weird? I can't stand it. I mean, I was, a, I was a cop for a long time, and I worked a lot of soccer games. And I, I learned oh. just to despise the game and the fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he's living in uh, uh, Canada now. You can say it, man. Was it because of the the the... Rugged or the you know the hooliganism is yeah it's just the violence and the abuse and just it's not a beautiful game to me yeah game of life you mean oh I thought you were talking Soccer. about my home life jeez <laughs> my mom didn't even breastfeed me you know that did she not no nah, she just wanted to be friends. well that, that explains a lot <laughs> so bro okay look yeah. let, let's do your background real quick you were a British cop you worked for Scotland Yard. Yes. Okay. And you grew up watching, like, American police shows, and you fell in love with it. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was a cop in London for 20 years. Eight of those years were at Scotland Yard. And Scotland Yard is just the headquarters building of the London police. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as a kid growing up in, you know, the 70s and 80s, I watched these like, you know, cop shows and cop movies and absolutely fell in love with American police. It just seems so cool and exciting. And yeah, you know, I dreamed of being an American cop to the point that when I was 17, I rang the um, embassy, the American embassy in, in London and said, hey, I want to be a New York cop. And they said, well, are you American? I said, no. And they said, well, then no. <laughs> and hung up. So it was a pretty short conversation. Um, so I ended up joining the London police but never forgot about my American police dreams. And uh, some years into my career in London, I got attacked and I got hurt on duty. Got a small payout from court, and I used that to go to Cape Cod. I was, I was a fan of the movie Jaws. Um, Chief Brody was a hero of mine. So I went to Martha's Vineyard where they filmed it, met a cop, swapped patches, and we've been friends ever since. And that led me on to doing ride-alongs. He's he, he done a ride-along with me, and I started doing ride-alongs all across America. So you, uh, would, you, you would take vacations to... In bed with police. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've, I've been doing it for 50, over 15 years now. I've been taking vacations, going out to police departments all across the country. I took a three-month tour early on and, and went across the entire nation from Alaska to Maine, deep south, um, Texas, everywhere. And one of those stops was Detroit. And that was that's 15 years ago. And I've been coming to Detroit ever since, like Tell regularly. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a casual visitor to the city. I've been, I've been coming here for a long, long time. So Detroit ca captured your imagination 15 years ago, did it not? More than anywhere else I've been. I've been to Compton, I've been to Chicago, South Chicago, I've been to Baltimore, all these places. But of all the places I've been, it was Detroit that stood out the most. Because to me, just, just going out with the cops, it, it was the most, what I describe as extreme policing. It was the most extreme policing I'd ever seen anywhere. And I was absolutely, as a cop, I was absolutely hooked. When you, when, you, when you say extreme policing, what do you mean by extreme policing? Just, just, just the, the conditions and the, the environment. I mean, you know, 15 years ago, obviously downtown isn't the downtown we see today. It was, it was boarded up, it was dirty, there was nothing there. Right. And the neighborhoods were, were as bad as they ever were. So I'd be out in the cops and I'd be, you know, driving around these streets and, you know, the obvious stuff, the blights and the ruined houses and the arson and Devil's Night and all this sort of stuff. I feel that. I think, oh my God, how do, you, how do you even start the policing environment like this? I mean, it's, it's just crazy. It's just, there's nothing here. You know, it, it's so much violence, so much, so much shooting, so much really gangs. And it, it just seemed very, very threatening to me when I first went there. And as a cop, I, you know, I was absolutely hooked with this. So the first... I just kept coming back. That, that first time you walked in the city, I was reading the book in 2004, you went out with then-inspector Steve Dolan, who ends up becoming yes. the assist, first assistant chief. How... It, Briefly describe what, what you just saw your first night in Detroit when you went out with the cops. My first night in Detroit, we went to uh, a number of homicides, gangland homicides, where men had been shot in the back of the head and executed. We had a, um, a barricaded man after he'd done an armed robbery in Warren, and we had to kick down the door, and we found him in the basement. Um, there was a, a vehicle chase that ended up crashing through the airport fence, and um, the van that we were chasing crashed just, just shy of the, uh, the runway. Um, I mean, there were multiple, multiple things that were going on that night. Wonder. And, and we, he also took me to Highland Park, and, and Highland Park Police Department had just been disbanded. So the old police precinct in Highland Park was just a ruin. The cars were outside the police precinct, all smashed up. Um, it, it just seemed completely lawless. And so, to the book, you, yeah. you, you come back. The, the way you did this was you would come and go for periods of time, yeah? Yeah, I'd probably come back to Detroit maybe once or twice a year over these 15 years. Okay, and you'd spend weeks? Yeah, sometimes uh, a number of weeks with the police department. Okay, so in this book, this is a great book, man. 
Thank you. It's a really great Remind answer. us the name again. It's American Ruin. Yep. That's it, yeah. Life and Death in the Streets of Detroit, America's Deadliest City. Now, let me let me just do the the, the, the peppy, you know, morning show. Why would you call it American Ruin <laughs> when everything's come back? Yeah. You know, I was, I was just listening to what you were saying there about downtown and the, and the restaurants and stuff. And, and I'll come on to that. But let, let me first, like, everyone asked about the title American Ruin. And, you know, I think some people are genuinely offended by that. Um, in fact, when I was here researching this book, I got some, I got attacked online. Um, people saying, the city's coming back, we don't need this kind of um, publicity, blah, blah, blah. The, the title doesn't refer, although I know people are going to believe this, but the title doesn't refer to the blight and the ruined houses. And, and, but don't tell me there aren't ruined houses and, and blight in Detroit. Of course, there, there still is. But the ruin I'm talking about in this book is actually the, the generations of kids that are dying on the streets of Detroit, and not just Detroit, but all around America, and not just America, where I'm from in London, we have the, we're having the same problem, but not to the degree that uh, many cities in America, America are. So, so the ruin I'm talking about are these generations of kids that are being lost, and I think that is America's ruin right there. So, yeah, I agree with you. For those of us that are sort of blinded by love and, you know, we're, we, we want our place to be well, tell, tell us the truth. Tell, tell us... What's going? Well, there's downtown, and there's the neighborhoods and the children in there. What did yeah, you I mean, see? The, the book American Ruin it, it, it is the truth. I mean, certainly some people don't want to hear the truth, but it is the truth. And I spend most of my time in this book in the in the neighborhoods. Yes, I go downtown, and I've seen the changes downtown. Yeah, amazing. But you know, I was speaking to a lady um, downtown just last week when I was there, and uh, she worked in one of the stores downtown, a nice store, and. Um, we're talking about the, the changes downtown. She said, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Isn't it wonderful? I said, yeah, it looks really good. You know, and it does. You, you can't not see the changes. And it is wonderful. But she goes, you know, Woodward Avenue. She goes, you drive up Woodward. And the road's all tarmacked and paved. And it's, it's great. She goes, but then you hit a line. And once you go north of that line on Woodward, the road condition changes. And she said, that's where the money stops. Yeah. I thought, that's exactly right. Because I spend most of my time in this book in, in the gang neighborhoods, so especially in the northeast. And I don't think people, they, they see the news reports, they, they see the homicide reports, but they really don't truly believe, uh, know what's actually going on in those neighbors and just how bad it still is. Yeah. There's still, the, the blight out there is, is just incredible. Some areas are worse than I've ever seen. The violence and the dangers are still there. The kids' lives are still there, uh, but still, still suffering. And I'm not the only one that's noticing this. The, the, the cops feel the frustration as well. You know, they work in these neighborhoods, and they've seen the changes downtown. They hear people saying, but Detroit's changing, Detroit's coming back. And they say, well, downtown's changing. Eastern Market, Corktown, these places are great, but the neighborhoods are as bad as ever. And one cop said to me, the kids here, they don't get to go downtown. And, no. and that's true. They, they, they live their lives in these neighborhoods that people have got no idea exist. Dude, when you were just, you know, it's a striking passage in here, and you're just talking to the, the four, you know, mid-teen year gang members trying to get out yep. of it and they're talking about uh having to borrow clothes no showers for weeks uh hiding a pistol uh in the weeds before you get to school because you're gonna prey on the kid that you've been you've been scoping him for a number of weeks you're gonna take his shit right it's it's eat or be eaten yeah, yeah. The, the, the kids are robbing and doing what they do literally because they're hungry they want to eat they're starving. And they say that in the book. We're starving. So you're looking for somebody to rob just so you can get some food in your belly. 
I mean, you know, they, they take guns to school because they're afraid that someone's going to start shooting them. And sometimes they do get shot just for going to and from school. And, you know, I really don't think people quite understand just what it's like for these kids. And, yeah, there's a chapter in a book where I go to one of the schools and I talk to these four kids who are ex-gang members or still gang members, really. And they tell me about their lives. And there's one bit in that section where a kid telling me about an incident where he was, um, he'd, he, him and his friends had robbed somebody. And then some other guys came after them and started shooting at them. And his friend got shot. And he went back for his friend. His friend got shot, fell to the ground, but was still alive. So he, this kid, who was 15 years old, ran back to save his friend, picked him up and, and dragged him away from these men who were still shooting at him. So he's Man. under fire. And, that, and I say in the book that, you know, if that was on a battlefield in Afghanistan or something like that, that soldier would have probably got a, a medal for what he did. Sure would have. For the sheer bravery of going back for a fallen colleague. Yeah, and those kids whilst, are hiding, fire. They're hiding under a, a rotting porch and his friend is starting to bleed out. This is yeah, the life he, of a 15-year-old. A 15-year-old. I mean, that, that title for that, that, um, that chapter is, is American Children. Um, and I called it that intentionally because these are American children. This isn't some other world. This isn't some other country. These are American children that are coming under fire and dying on, on the streets of America. You know what, man? Um, you know what? Yeah. These, these are my children. They're, they're, they're only a couple, their bedroom or where they're flopping, right? And not all yeah. are flopping, but it's very poor. They're just miles from my daughter's bedroom. Yeah. Those are kids together. This, you, you left, man. Vancouver's nice. This shit is, yeah, it's, it's getting to me. And reading this book, it really got into those cops. You know, those really, the ones you became friends with that are really doing the work, trying to make a difference. And they're not just beating people's heads in because that's not what they do. No, no. You know, you, you do get bad cops, of course. You get those individuals that just mess up, do something wrong, or just, just corrupt. But they're very, very rare. And most cops, Especially in Detroit. I mean, a lot of the cops in Detroit grew up in Detroit. So they know those streets. They know those kids. They empathize with these people. I mean, I, I was in a party store last week with one of the cops who's in the book. And he didn't do this for my benefit. But someone came in trying to buy some food for their children, but didn't have enough money to pay for it in a party store. So he just dipped in his own pocket and handed the person some dollars to pay for the food. And then someone else came in immediately afterwards wanting some water because they, they, they were thirsty. Didn't have a dollar to pay for the bottle of water. So he picked out a dollar from his, his wallet again and paid for that. And he does this regularly, and other cops in Detroit do this regularly. Because they genuinely, and I mean this, they genuinely care about the people in that city. See, that's, it's, um, you it's, know, it's, you that's know, why you doing it. Mick, it, it, it's an important book. Because as you know, and, and you know it better than I, and it's very rare that somebody will come up and write something about a place I know so well and teach me things I didn't know. But it's an important book because you're showing, you're showing what, what, is behind the shield. You're showing that blue bleeds red. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when I wrote this book, um, I was told, when I was researching it, I was told that no other writer had been given this kind of access to the DPD. That's right, And I was left completely... I did think about you when I was told that. Uh, I just think, what's Charlie the Duff going to think about this? Um, but, you know, part of that is because of my history of the department. I've been going there for 15 years. People there know me. So I was given this completely unprecedented access to the department. So other books have been written about Detroit, the best one being your book, and I mean that genuinely. Thank you. But, you know, but there's this book, people say, well, what, why do we need another, another book? Well, this is different because it is an unprecedented book. Oh, it's, 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 it's a great, they're not the same book at all, but I'll tell you what, when I <clears throat> was in Los Angeles, you know, national roving correspondent for the New York Times, and I, I walked away, had a kid, I want to go home. I said, well, fuck it. 
when newspapers are collapsing, I go, fuck it. I know the guy's in homicide. I'll just in bed for a year. That'll be a great book. And then Kwame fucked up. And I'm like, well, there goes. And I didn't know there was this limey running around doing my dream book. And you, you fucking nailed. This is a great book. You sure, were, that means a great deal to me that you say that. Well, you were in town last week. And, you know, we went and had a drink. And I, I was going to have you here live. But I was like, I just got caught up with it. And I'm like, I want to finish it. I mean, it's an easy read. It's, a, it's brilliant. It, it is. It's, Thank you, man. It's brilliant. You, you've got the clear eye of a guy from someplace else. Two more questions, Matt. We'll let you go. One, yeah. what? This is the big one. Quickly, if you can, what is the solution? Ooh. How do we fix this? Oh, that's, to me, that's easy. Balance. <laughs> At the moment, you, you well, not not easy. Don't I know. Wrong, I know. I'm answer, just the answer for me is, is easy, and it's balanced. At the moment, Detroit is completely unbalanced in how it spends its money. Yeah. You know, and I, as I said, the ruin is about the children. You need to start investing. The city needs to start investing more in the schools, because that's your generation. What I don't like seeing Agreed. are these, the, the choices that have been there for decades, that have gone through all the hard times, that are suddenly getting pushed out or can't afford to live there anymore. A late, I speak to a lady in one of the neighborhoods the other day, a different lady from the one I spoke about earlier, and she said, I don't go downtown because it's not for people like me. I can't afford to go to $200 shishi restaurants. And what she meant when she said, it's not for people like me, and I said, what do you mean by that? And she goes, I'm a black Detroiter. She goes, the people that go to those shishi restaurants are not black Detroiters. They're white people from the suburbs. Do you she goes, think, that city is not for me. Do you think that's a healthy model of development? No, because, you know, if Duggan wants to get voted back into power, it's people in Detroit that are going to vote for him, not people outside Detroit. Well, he got 70% and of the vote. He did. But, you know, I, I spoke to a lady the other day and she said, I supported Duggan when he, he first came to power. I voted for him. Um, she goes, but, and this is what her words, she goes, now I fucking hate him. I said, well, why? And she goes, well, he does, he's doing nothing for us in the neighborhoods. It's all downtown. It's all for people from outside the city. What about us? So you need balance. And I'm, I'm not seeing it. You need to invest in the schools. You need to look after the children. There are some changes happening. I can see that. But when you speak to the people in the deep neighborhoods and in those schools, they're not feeling it. And let's say this too. the other side. Let's get back to the point of the book. We are doing a poor job in funding a healthy and vigorous public safety arm. There's not enough. You were living it, so not, now you're you're miles away. We're yeah. starving the police department, are we not? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so again, the, the lady, speak. the lady who talked about the shishi restaurants and going not being able to afford to go downtown. She said, "What I want are more police." She goes, "You know, she lives in in, a, in an okay neighborhood in Detroit. Um, she lived in in the Boston Edison area, and she said people think it's great here now. She goes, it's not. She goes, you go two blocks north of here, and they'll put you in the trunk of their, their car." You go two blocks south of here, and they'll tie you to the trunk of their car. She which goes, which you I actually need. wrote about. Yeah, and she goes, what I need are more police. We need more police in the city. So, you know, if it's okay well, having she needs, a gross, she needs a grocery store, someplace to go shop. Well, let, let's, she needs to be able to uh, Those things yeah. aren't there. Well, they're not going to be there till like... You have safety. Safety, and then yeah. you, you, you're not going to bring jobs to a city if people aren't qualified to be working them. So the, no, the comeback the, 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 takes a long time. It does, but the police are massively underfunded, massively under-resourced, um, and, and that's what people need. And, you know, yeah. as, as underfunded and under-resourced as they are, my God, do they do one hell of a good job for the most part? And, and it's unseen. It's unseen by the public. It they really see them is. at a Tigers game. They see them downtown. They don't see what they do in the neighborhoods. With these, at least the kids that are dying in the neighborhoods, these cops know those kids. 
They pick them up from school. They take them for dinner. They take them out for something to eat. They know those kids. And then they get called to a homicide and see the same kid laying on the floor with 15 bullet holes in it. I mean, it's, it's just tragic. But the cops are doing a fantastic job. You just need a lot more of them. Do you think that a couple of hundred million dollars for a hockey arena was a... When you're taking hundreds of millions of dollars from school taxes to pay for a sports arena that the local, many local Detroiters aren't ever going to visit, that bothers me a great deal. Because I see the state of those schools. I mean, they, don't, they don't have toilet paper in the bathrooms, for goodness sake. And yet, hundreds of millions of dollars will be continued to be taken from those taxes until like 2050-something to, to pay for a sports arena. And to remind everybody, because, you know, you, you know the region, right? So there's, a div- yeah. there's that, you know, the divide. The suburbanites, their schools receive less money for their schools because the billionaires taking the money from the property taxes in Detroit. And so he gets a piece. Detroit gets a piece. The suburbanite gets the piece. And if you took the billionaire out of it, the schools in everywhere would get a bigger piece. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all of us. I just can't express that. No, it's it's absolutely outrageous. I mean, frankly, it it pisses me off. I understand that downtown needs development. They need to bring in those tax dollars. Absolutely. I said to you the other day day in the bar, you know, I was downtown last week and new kids on the block were in concert, which would have brought in loads of tax dollars. But whilst new kids on the block are are performing downtown, the young kids on the block in the neighbourhoods are being shot dead. And no one seems to give a shit. Well, and the kids in the neighbourhood can't go to that concert because they can't afford it. They the, probably wouldn't want to go anywhere, to be honest with you. Well, but. probably not. <laughs> oh, 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 hanging tough. Is that them? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Is it I'm you? not a big fan, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either. <laughs> well, all right, brother. Listen, man, uh, when you get back to town, give me a call. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toast you. It was just excellent work. Thank you for doing it. I recommend it. American Ruin. Michael Matthews is the author. And... Uh, I, I look forward to reading it. It's, uh, I Thank don't you. think you have a cynical eye. You have, oh, dude, how did you work? Because sometimes you use the tape recorder. Look, you're running around, raiding yeah. houses, there's guns and shit. How yeah. are you doing it? What was um, your method? I, I, I take a camera, so I, I take lots of pictures that I can refer to. But I also use a tape recorder, so, well, you know, a little dictaphone thing, which I can just record on as well. And I make notes, you know, like crazy. So it's a bit of writing notes using a recorder and photographs. See, because the shit you were doing, you have your head down writing notes, you're going you're gonna to get your head blown off. You... Yeah, because I'm doing raids with the cops and stuff. Usually I just have my recorder just turned on, stuff in like body armor, and I just run around. With, you know, I, I go out on raids with the cops all the time in Detroit and elsewhere, and I, and I just take lots and lots of pictures, and they, they seem to be okay with that. And these motherfuckers nice. are, are grimming the cops and coming out of the house with a fucking piece in their pants. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're going <laughs> to unload on the police. And yeah, you know, I'm tied in behind my camera, thinking it's some sort of safety device, how, uh, which is not. How how different was it being a cop in London and being a cop in Detroit? Oh my I, god! I um, mean, was 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 the guns the big difference? Yeah, I mean that's, that's always the obvious one that people talk about is the right. guns. I mean, because you know most police officers in the, in the UK don't carry guns. I did for a few years, but we have 125,000 officers in the UK. Only 6,000 are trained in firearms, and only 2,000 at any one time may be carrying. So, and so, so guns aren't such an issue in the UK because our laws are completely different. Um, but to me, that wasn't the big difference because I've seen it so much in America. I think the big difference is just the, the type of policing. As I said before, that, that extreme yeah. policing in the Detroit and, and the empathy I see and 
and the conditions the police are working under. You know, I'd go back to London after these trips, feeling like I was going to be a better cop because of spending time with Detroit police, because I see how the officers on the streets are, how, how tough they have to be, you know, to deal with what they deal with. A, one cop talks about his PTSD in a book, and he's very, very open about it. The cops in the book really opened up and revealed their lives to me, um, which made the book that much better. And they talk about the PTSD they suffer and the conditions they have to work under and what it, it does to them to see these kids dying. And, and I'll go back to London with nothing but praise of the cops in Detroit um, and just thinking, God, you know, they really are working a far tougher environment than I'll ever know. And there's the hope. There's somebody yeah. out there doing the job. There is. Yeah. And they are. Yeah. And they are. All right, we'll leave it at that, brother. Thanks a lot, man. And, uh, Charlie, well, well thanks done. for having me on, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. Michael. I look forward to reading your book, my man. American, thanks very much, man. American Ruin, Michael <laughs> Matthews. I mean, you can get it everywhere. All right. Uh, Joey got his glasses. Did he? I, he went to Yaldo. Oh, good. So let me, uh, let, me just, uh, let me just give you the Yaldo read here, all right? You know, it's... Uh, Dr. Yaldo, LASIK is one of the safest surgeries in all of medicine and has changed the lives of millions of people by allowing them to get 20-20 vision or better without the hassle and poor performance of glasses and contacts. It's about freedom and lifestyle. And Dr. Yaldo, our loyal Red Shovel Studio sponsor, is the number one LASIK surgeon in Michigan. An incredible 30,000-plus people have trusted their eyes to him. And the majority have actually gotten better results than they'd hoped for. It's because his cat's custom LASIK is the world's most precise. And most patients get better than 20-20 vision called supernormal vision. It only takes a few minutes. It's painless. And you'll get to throw out all those contacts and glasses in the garbage. His multifocal lens implants for people 45 plus frees you forever from your hated reading glasses. Gives you precise far vision and will prevent cataracts from ever forming. You've got nothing to lose by seeing Dr. Yaldo for a free evaluation. Tell him LaDuff and the No BS News Hour sent you, and you'll also save $1,500 or more if that procedure is right for you and if you want it. But come get a checkup. 1-800-398-EYES, 1-800-398-EYES, or go to YaldoEyeCenter.com. Well, anyway, uh, Joey is, Joe Chicken Joe DeMarco is now uh, busy underneath the truck at the junkyard, but... Working hard. So he, he sent us this tape testimonial about, uh, about his, his new eyeglasses because the other ones were as scummy as a shower curtain. Couldn't even see through them. So here's Chicken Joe. Joe, pal, Chicken Joe DeMarco here. I just wanted to let everybody know that yesterday I went to uh, Yaldo Eye Center to get my eyes examined, picked up some good frames, and um, I want to thank everybody who made it possible, everybody who donated, and whatever they did to make this happen, I really appreciate it. It was a good experience. Uh, people are friendly over there, nice, friendly, happy people. Um, very, very good experience. I can't, I can't say enough about it. And, um, I mean, what can you say about it? If you've ever been to an eye doctor, it's pretty much the same, really. But they're good people, and they're cool. And uh, I guess they got a sense of humor. We're going to find out because they got this picture of all the radio people who've ever been there. And we're going to send them a picture of me, Chicken Joe DeMarco, with wearing my new Yaldo eyeglasses. And we'll see if they put it up in their wall of fame over there. So thanks again, everybody, who made this possible. And enjoy your holiday weekend. Joe. 
Got some new glasses. All right. Thank you, Dr. Yaldo. Joe. He forgot to take a tape recorder with him. He says, I don't work well under pressure. <laughs> Joe. That's not true, because he's given the what for to Duggan and <laughs> Sabri, and I mean, he does work well under pressure. But it's good. We got Joe, we got a, got a haircut, we got his back scrubbed, his toenails clipped, got him a dead man's uh, suit, new yeah. eyeglasses. <laughs> Things are looking up for Chicken Joe. Yeah, thanks for everybody who helped out. It's all because of all you out there, Chicken Joe. Listen, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Remember what you heard today. Love each other. Got to love one another. People less fortunate, don't, don't forget about them. Be, Got to be together. All right, Bobby, have a, uh, I, we're going to take a break next week. I don't think we're going to do a show. We're not going to do a best of. What we're going to do is let you catch up. There you go. Go back, just pick a show out of the hat and see if you like it. Happy birthday, America. Yeah, God bless America. I sit alone in my four-cornered room staring at candles. Oh, that shit is on. Let me drop some shit like this here. At night I can't sleep. I toss and turn. Candlesticks in the dark. Visions of bodies being burned. Four walls just staring at a nigga. I'm paranoid sleeping with my finger on the trigger. My mother's always dressing. I ain't living right. But I ain't going out without a fight. See, every time my eyes close, I start sweating. And blood starts coming out my nose. There's somebody watching me act But I don't know who it is So I'm watching my back I can see him when I'm deep in the covers When I awake, I don't see the motherfucker He owns a black hat like I own A black suit and a cane like my own Some might say, take a chill, B But fuck that shit There's a nigga trying to kill me I'm popping in the clip when the wind blows Every 20 seconds got me peeping out my window Investigating a joint for traps Taking my telephone for text I'm staring at the woman on the corner It's fucked up when your mind is playing tricks on you I make big money, I drive big cars, everybody know me It's like I'm a movie star, but late at night Something ain't right. I feel I'm being tailed by the same sucker's headlights. Is it that move that I ran off the block? Or is it that nigga last week that I shot? Or is it the one I beat for $5,000? Thought he had cane, but it was gold, metal flower. Reached under my seat, grab my papa for the suckers. Ain't no use in the line. I was scared of than a motherfucker. Put the left in the Popeyes and bam, down quick. If it's going down, let's get this shit over with. Then they come. Just like I figured, I got my hand on the motherfucking trigger. When I saw him, make your ass start giggling. Three black crippling crazy senior citizens. I live by the swamp. I take my boys everywhere I go because I'm paranoid. I keep looking over my shoulder and peeping around corners. My mind is playing tricks on me. Day by day is more impossible to cope. I feel like I'm the one that's doing dope. Can't keep a steady hand because I'm nervous. Every Sunday morning I'm in service, praying for forgiveness and trying to find an exit out the business. I know the Lord is looking at me, but yet and still it's hard for me to feel happy. I often drift when I drive, having fatal thoughts of suicide. 
and get it over with. And then I worry free, but that's bullshit. I got a little boy to look after. And if I die, then my child will be a bastard. I had a woman down with me. But to me, it seemed like she was down to get me. She helped me out in this shit. But to me, she was just another bitch. Now she's back with her mother. Now I'm realizing that I love her. Now I'm feeling lonely. My mind is playing tricks on me. This year, Halloween fell on a weekend. Me and Ghetto Boys are trick-or-treating. Robbing little kids for bags. Till an old man got behind our ass. So we speeded up the pace. Took a look back, and he was right before our face. He'd be in for a squabble, no doubt. So I swung and hit the nigga in his mouth. He was going down, we figured. But this wasn't no ordinary nigga. He stood about six or seven feet. Now that's a nigga I be seeing in my sleep. So we triple teamed on him. Dropping them motherfucking bees on him. The more I swung, the more blood flew. Then he disappeared and my boys disappeared too. Then I felt just like a fiend. It wasn't even close to Halloween. It was dark as fuck on the streets. My hands were all bloody from punching on the concrete. God damn, homie. My mind is playing tricks on me. 